uh, one of the um, uh, Russian masters of storytelling uh, said once that a hero should have a problem he cannot live with. <laughs> so it, it's, it should be that bad. Uh, and, and this is how stories work. Um, if, if it's not bad enough, nobody cares. Hey there, and welcome to yet another episode of the World of Presentations podcast brought to you by Asset Presentation Agency 356 Labs. Um, yep, we are not the, we not only develop and train people uh, from some of the biggest brands in the world how to prepare and deliver uh, what we call truly effective presentations, but we also host a very interesting conference, which turned out to be the largest presentation skills conference in the world called Present to Succeed. I'm Boris, uh, the founder of the company and your host for today's episode. And with me, uh, I have yet another incredible guest from the industry who was part of Present to Succeed 2021 and delivered one of those sessions that truly made people think, all right? That session was called The Dangers of Storytelling. So who am I speaking with today? With me, I have Alexei Kapterev, uh, who's not only a speaker, but someone who created a deck uh, called Dead by PowerPoint. You may have heard about it um, because it became... A little bit viral, probably, I would say just a little bit viral, 17 million views and counting that viral. What's more, Alexei is also uh, the author of the book Presentation Secrets and his course for Coursera is ranked among the top 100 best mocks, which is, Alexei, listen to this one, which is massive online open courses. Last time we didn't know what exactly mock stands for. Now we know. Welcome to the podcast. How are how are things going? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm great. Thank you. So now we know what mocks mean. You know, like yeah, now no, it's no, better. No, the last no, time no, it was no, a mess. <laughs> During the conference, we were like, "What is a what is a mock?" Well, and we're like, that. "Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know." It was massive online, and then you jumped oh, in, and you were like, uh, "Massive, whatever," and no one knew. And there were people in the chat that actually helped us out. <laughs> yeah, well, we solved that with collective intelligence. Yeah, yeah collective intelligence, absolutely. Let's jump into the conversation here. Everyone, we always start with this question, which is everyone in our industry has this story about how they became part of the presentation world, you know? And every single time that story is a very interesting one. Like no one got out of school or got out of university aiming at being a presentation person, you know? So what's your story? Uh, Well, I was... uh... In consulting for uh, quite a while, um, I, for, for three years I worked for a British company and then for another three years for a small boutique uh, Russian consultancy. And um, in consulting, of course, what you do is uh, you present. Well, you first you have some ideas and then you sell those ideas to the audience. And um, my first presentation ended up being a massive disaster uh, <laughs> after which uh, the partners of the firm I was working uh, at the time said to me, okay, Alexei, you will be our center of competence for as far as presentation skills are concerned, you will be the person to go to. Um, you will learn this stuff uh, in and out. And I did. Uh, in about two years, um, I was... Uh, I read quite a few books, uh, and uh, um, after a while, we just uh, 
I had a few spare days and I summarized uh, those books in a presentation called Death by PowerPoint, which was in 2007, which now seems like an ancient history. Yeah. That was quite a while ago. Um, and this was my entrance into the world of it. It took me another, I think, um, five months or maybe half a year to, to quit my full-time job and uh, not even focus on um, presentations, but start doing my own things, which were numerous at the time. And then I yeah. gradually, uh, little by little, everything else uh, felt off and presentations remained. And, in a few years' time, presentations were pretty much the only thing I was doing. Is uh, by the way very very interesting um, to me at least. Where, for everyone, but that's listening or watching this, if you haven't seen the Dead by PowerPoint deck that's on uh, SlideShare, uh, you have to Google that stuff. All right. Question here: Did you design that one? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. All right. That's nice. Um, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm a shitty designer, but I, I mean, I was, <laughs> I'm so much better uh, at the moment. But um, it, it, it kind of worked. I, I I look at it now, and uh, blood comes uh, from my eyes. I can't see it anymore. It's so horrible. But but it worked. Uh, and yeah. This is the thing that that, that is the most amazing. Yeah, you can, you, 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 you can definitely say that it worked. Seventeen or mm -hmm. more million views afterwards. You you know you can say yeah, it yeah, worked. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, today we want to talk about uh, storytelling because that session that you delivered at the conference was very very interesting one. In a track where everyone talks about the power of storytelling, you went the opposite route and said, "Wait a minute, come down, you know, like relax. There are some gotchas with storytelling." Before we go in there, one last on the Dead by PowerPoint because that phrase became synonymous. Like everyone is using it more or less in the industry. Like it became that popular, you know, like. What made you even create that deck? Like, what happened that you were like, I cannot breathe anymore. I will create this for everyone to see. Like, what happened there? Uh, well, uh, for one thing, I didn't invent the phrase. It was coined well before me, um, several years uh, before me, in fact, by some journalists. Uh, so, um, I think... Well, I think it came to me as well, uh, kind of independently. And then I Googled it and found that um, I was not the original creator. Oh, right. Like, well, but then I went on and used it um, anyways, because uh, it was such a great metaphor of uh, what was happening at the time, what I was seeing around myself at the time. People were killing each other with... Uh, bullets, <laughs> essentially, <Yeah. laughs> bulleted lists. Mm. Tons of text on the slide, uh, no structure, and uh, people were turning their backs to the audience and reading the slides aloud. Mm. Uh, there's, there's just no other way you can call that. This is was there by PowerPoint. So there. Mm, um, and then uh, uh, there was just a massive amount of pain in me. <laughs> Inside that, of you. Uh, yeah, and that pain wanted to. Uh, get out uh, and, and it did 
Uh, and I, I cannot repeat the success. I don't have that much pain anymore. <laughs> <laughs> pain, in fact. <laughs> so this was my shot at the, at the Yeah, maybe the topic yeah. for storytelling and the set and all of the things that you mentioned at the conference. I don't think that they're that big of a pain as with the PowerPoint stuff, but still there is a little bit of pain in there. I can feel it. At least during the conference, you were like very, very, um, how can I say? You you very much had your very personal opinion about that stuff. And you were very um, honest with everyone to say, hey, like, be careful here. You know, like everything that storytelling is not always positive. You know, you cannot consider that everything is positive. Yeah, Jumping to that one, by the way, you said during the conference, because again, just for everyone who was not part of this or who hasn't seen the recordings, whatever, you know, we are going to go back to the event and you are going to more or less hear what uh, Alexei actually shared there. So again, the context is that we have seven sessions, right? Six of them are claiming the storytelling is a powerful weapon. All right. Which it is. Which it is. Which it is, of course, which it is. And you went down with this session, which was called the danger of power, the danger, the dangers of storytelling. And in that session, you mentioned something that I think was very, very cool. And I want to go there first. You know, like you said something like I'm looking at my notes for everyone on YouTube or whatever. Um, You said something that when a presentation contains stories, it has to be labeled with a sign that says warning stories included. There was more. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, well, um, uh, basically, there are three problems uh, with uh, stories. Uh, number one, they are polarizing because th- this is just how stories work. Uh, you you can't have a story without the villain and the hero. Uh, there's always something's uh, somebody's responsible for somebody's guilty. Of something, and uh, so uh, stories can uh, make us assign blame, uh, which is not always helpful. Uh, so, uh, this, this stories are about you know black and white, basically uh, trying to sort the world into the goodies and the baddies, uh, and. Uh, uh, this is not always how the world works. Well, so, sometimes this is exactly how the world works. If we are, I don't know, uh, talking about the World War II, uh, this was pretty much how things unfolded. But a lot of things in the world are not so clear cut. They are not that black and white. And, uh, and stories make people think that they are. And this, I believe, is one of the um, sort of cognitive uh, biases uh, that um, psychotherapy tries to alleviate because uh, depressed people tend to think in those black and white terms. It's either or, it's uh, catastrophizing. If you don't do this, you're doomed. Uh, And and this is how stories work. Uh, One of the um, uh, Russian masters storytelling, a guy called uh, Arif Aliyev uh, said once that a hero should have a problem he cannot live with. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's, it should be that bad. Uh, and, and this is how stories work. Um, if, if it's not bad enough, nobody cares. Uh, so we, um, uh, we, 
we make it bigger than it, it actually is to uh, we create more contrast. Uh, so problem number one. Uh, problem number two that uh, which is more or less the same problem that it's it's oversimplification. Uh, most of the time uh, it's oversimplifying things. Again, the world is uh, complex and multifaceted, uh, and uh, sometimes there are numerous causes uh, of the event, and the stories just can't handle uh, this complexity. There should be one one clear cause. Why did this happen? This is why. Uh, we know who the culprit is. Uh, so uh, polarizing, um, simplifying, and finally, they produce motivation, which is a good thing. Uh, well, yeah. um, if supposedly people lack motivation, you need to infuse some motivation in them. Uh, this is good. But, but then if you have stupid and polarized people and you tell them a story, uh, does it do any good? Question remains. And sometimes it, it, it kind of does, but uh, sometimes uh, things might go astray. Uh, so yeah, basically uh, three points. Yeah. And all of those are obviously here to tell us that, hey, stories are indeed powerful, right? But that's not the end of it. You know, and sometimes you gave an example with a TED talk that became quite, quite popular back like, what, what was it? Five or five or maybe more years ago, you know, like it was probably It was older. in 2012, I believe. All right. Ooh, that wow. That is mm -hmm. nine yeah. years ago yeah. or ten almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which was more or less utilizing the power of stories, and then mm -hmm. it turned and out that, that yeah, mm -hmm. it turned out that that was not exactly the case. You know, mm -hmm. like what they mm -hmm. claimed to be true turned out to not be exactly true. But the whole world was like, what? At first, you know, like that mm -hmm. was what happened, and then you said, hey, that's why you need to you need to be careful. And yeah, you know, and, and uh, there, there's the this law, uh, I believe, uh, well, it's an empirical observation that uh, the original research papers claiming fantabulous effects are cited much more than later rebuttal uh, papers, which say that, no, 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 wait a second, it's not that, uh, you know, big after all. Uh, so it's, uh, it's much harder to refute uh, BS than to create it uh, with stories, and we should be uh, wary of that. Yeah. So, what are the like? If you have, if we have to go back to the world of business, you know, because our audience at the event were people from the business world. By the way, it's a very interesting. If you because now, um, like back when we were organizing all of that. As you can imagine, every sponsor that we reached out to was like more or less telling us who are the people that are coming, who is the audience, who is the audience, who is the audience. And I and I was completely honest with everybody. And I was like, I don't know. You know, like it's a first year <laughs> event. How can I know who is yeah. going to come? I can tell you who are the people that are seeing the creatives, who mm -hmm. are the people that we are spending marketing budgets against, you know, and all of that stuff, but yeah, exactly yeah. who the people are from which countries, all of that demographics is, I don't know. <laughs> so at the end, it turned out that we had exactly the people that we wanted. And the largest percentage of people were actually IT people with 13%. Hmm. That was the largest group that we had. Wow. Then we okay. had the PR, the HR, all of the marketing roles, etc. 
Now, the people that are listening to this one are the same people, you know, mm -hmm. in terms of roles. This is not presentation experts, presentation people or the agencies, etc. throughout or across the world. They are, some of our colleagues are listening in the same way as probably you are listening to their podcasts, we are listening to theirs, of course. But this is all about the people in the world of business. So let's be a little bit more practical here if we, or at least I try to be a little bit more practical here because I'll be kind of curious to see or to hear if I'm the business person, right? If I'm the business person, how do I decide, let's say, whether or not to include a story or not? Right. Mm -hmm. I have it. Mm -hmm. I have it. I think it will support my goal in front of that group of people that's in front of me. But where can you can we talk a little bit about where is the balance? Like, how do I decide whether or not I go with the story mm -hmm. or whether or not uh, I go with the research or should I go with both? Like, how do we approach this? What's your take mm -hmm. on this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, well, I think we need to. Um understand the product we are selling um, and if if it's a complex product and we are making a short intro into the product uh, then stories might work to in, in the first sort of uh, part of the sales funnel to attract the initial attention mm. um, I think it might later backfire when people will find out that, oh, it's not that simple. <laughs> um, so I think you can start with, there's an option to begin with really complex stuff. The conversion will be low, but those people who are converted uh, yeah. from the complex uh, sort of fact-based, no storytelling, no nudging, no selling, just purely informing. The quality of the people uh, that are converted will be much higher. This is, uh, I think, how you get uh, the most loyal people because they will be making their decision w without any manipulations from your part. Um, so I think if, if you're striving for sort of um, um, for really deep understanding of a, of a complex issue, I think stories is not exactly your tool. Uh, just today, I've read a research paper about uh, COVID uh, vaccination, which is not going as well uh, as we hoped it would, because a lot of people simply refuse. Uh, yeah. We say, oh no, no, I'm uh, I'm afraid that uh, I'm, I'm a, and and what what actually works is uh, is informing is uh, just a fact box. Uh, if no stories, uh, just a few facts about uh, how vaccines work, uh, the balance of pros and cons. Here are the risks and here are the benefits. And if you look at the balance, you kind of uh, arrive to the conclusion that okay, this is not as clear-cut as I thought before. It's not like one shot and you're free for life. Uh, there are side effects and uh, you can have, uh, what was that, deep vein thrombosis or something. Uh, it, there's a small, very small chance for you uh, to have that, but it's a much bigger chance for you to die from COVID. So if you take, so uh, no storytelling at all. 
um, just purely rational uh, divide the pros and cons. Um, so um, I think if you're selling something as complex as a vaccine, and vaccines are immensely complex, mm, you might want to go with, with facts, with statistics. Yeah. Um, if you're selling something simple, or if you want to attract the initial attention, stories yeah. are your weapon of choice. That, that one is a very interesting way of putting it, I would say. Like, if you're in the initial phases of the sales process to attract attention, that sounds like something that I think that because pro you probably know it very well because you train a lot of organizations. Like there are people who would say that sounds great, but I do financial presentations, you know, or mm -hmm. I do project status updates, mm -hmm. you know, uh, those type of people are like, how is this even applicable to me? You know, <laughs> this is very often the case. Can we say that obviously for the salespeople, I completely agree. Now that I'm thinking about it, I completely agree that probably to capture the attention and then go with a little bit more detail, the facts and all of that stuff, like as the level of complexity rises, then you go, then you go with the facts and the data and all of that stuff, not continue with more stories, more stories, more stories, because it's not pay, painting, obviously, every single time mm -hmm. the complete picture, maybe. But would you say that if we want, if we are, let's say, financial people, or if we present in front of project managers, or uh, if we are, I don't know, the human resources people, you know, the HRs, or the learning and development, they can utilize, wait a minute, let me use story, let's say, at the beginning of the presentation, right, to capture the attention and then go with a little bit more factual information. And of course, by the way, probably here we need to say that these are general rule of thumbs. You know, there is nothing final here. Every single presentation is different and it may be, of course. But what, you, what do you think about that one? Um, I think it largely depends on the audience you're presenting to. Yeah. If you are presenting to a lay audience, if you're not, if you're, if you're a financial person and you're presenting to non-financial people, then of course you should use storytelling. You should make it easy and accessible, and you should start from simple things and build on that. Uh, yeah. There's simply no question about that. If you are presenting within your sort of peer group, if you are a financial person presenting to financial people, then I think you have to check with them. Maybe boredom is actually okay. Maybe they have enough of their own intrinsic motivation. You don't have to stimulate them from the outside. Maybe they are interested in your numbers and charts. Uh, so especially if you're hoping for a discussion, uh, then uh, show me the numbers. I mean, yeah, cut the, cut the crap. Show me the numbers. Yeah, I, I have I have heard that um, I've heard a saying that was more or less that was more or less uh, like going like this. Um, just open the Excel file. The data speaks to me. Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah. the data yeah. tells me everything. Mm -hmm. By the way, yeah. you saying you have to know your audience. We got that feedback, by the way, from one or two people. Uh, probably they missed some of the sessions. I don't know. But anyway, we were thinking about it. Like you train a lot of people, obviously, um, does now popular, at least within our discussion mock uh, course for Coursera. Um, 
like how do you advise people to find more information about the audience because we got that feedback uh in during the event and i have for sure uh, heard it many other places where people say it's great everybody i know that i need to know my audience thanks for advising me yet again right mm -hmm. now tell me how do i do it how do i know who those people are did you mm -hmm. have you have you gotten that question before mm, yeah um well um, ask the organizer <laughs> but, but they don't know anything right because it's their first time and <laughs> yeah they can only tell you the demographics um by the way, as the organizers sometimes can work, you know? I, I have a simple sort of um, matrix, two by two matrix. I spent six right. years working as a consultant. Um, so so uh, everything is two by two. Um, motivation and expertise. Uh, and just estimate two parameters. Uh, their, their level of motivation. Are they interested in, in this topic? And if they come to an open event uh, for money and nobody's forcing them to do that chances are they are interested in, in this topic so maybe informing them is lecturing them is fine uh, so that's uh, one thing and the second thing is expertise are they experts in the field or are they um, lay audience uh, and so and and that pre pretty much gives you uh, the whole picture. If the level of expertise and motivation is low, then you should mostly entertain. Stand-up works there marvelously. If if there's a lot of interest but not enough expertise, you lecture. If there's a lot of expertise but not enough motivation, you sell. And if there's both expertise and motivation, you create a discussion space. You don't tell stories, uh, you uh, facilitate a conversation. Mm. Where do you, by the way, where do you advise people to find that type of information, the motivation and the expectations, except for probably the organ sometimes you will be the organizer of that meeting, you know, in the corporate setup, you have been there. Mm -hmm. um, I think that a lot of people who are listening, I have also been part of HP, some organizations like that. Sometimes I set up the meeting and I invite the guests mm -hmm. so I can even talk with them, you know, or I consider knowing them because they are my teammates. Mm -hmm. uh, however, not every single time we are the organizers, we can ask obviously the organizers for, hey, what is, do you know something about the motivation? Do you know their expertise, the people that are going to come, any other place where they can find more information or any other, I don't know, channel which you advise people to approach? I think with expertise, it's most of the time it's relatively obvious. I mean, if it's, it's a specialized conference in a very narrow field, chances are people are expert. Um, but uh, with motivation, it's not that clear cut. Um, mm. So. My, my basic uh, rule of thumb, if, if that's an open event and people uh, showed up and paid money, they are motivated. If that's a corporate gig, I, I will be testing. Um, I will, um, if, if that's an hour and a half uh, speech, I will start with, uh, with pre-questioning. So I will ask them, so uh, take a minute uh, or talk to the neighbor uh what are the questions that you would like me to answer during this uh, hour and a half hmm. and uh, if i get three questions out of 100 people 
<laughs> this is a very decent indicator that people are not motivated yeah. to learn anything. And if I get a lot of energy and a lot of questions and even a small discussion, um, I know that I'm in, in the right uh, crowd. That, yeah, that, that, that advice, by the way, I think it's very, very much applicable, especially when you present in front of executives that you are meeting for first time. Like mm -hmm. you're allowing them um, to... Yeah. You know what? Um, I, I was once um, helping to design a um, presentation for um, members of uh, law enforcement community. All right. And, uh, That's a very interesting community, I would say. Yeah, and and we, we didn't quite know how to approach this. And the thing that um, really helped us uh, actually opened our eyes. Uh, we went into a search engine and typed in members of law enforcement community yeah. enter and then just looked at the photographs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just look at the facial expressions of people. These will be the people sitting in the audience. What stories are you going to tell them? Yeah. And this was immensely helpful. So uh, you might as well try that. Yeah, by the way, I would say that we also had quite some experiences with our customers where uh, the presentation, because I, I, would, I think that you would agree here that not every single presentation that we deliver has to affect everybody. Sometimes there are a little bit more, a few people that are a little bit more important to us. Mm -hmm. And many times we have gone a little bit crazy and into the details of understanding who those people are in particular, you know, those two or three people or four or five or whoever, you know, and we were like, exactly as you said, like, go to Google, go to Bing, put their names on, you know, and let's see who those people are, like, just press and hold the control button and open everything that you can find for them and scan for the facial expressions of the follows, mm -hmm. right? Because these are the people that are going to be there. <laughs> this mm -hmm. is it. And everything that you can find, I think, could be very useful. You may not be using it like directly as part of the mm -hmm. talk itself, but it may sometimes explain you why somebody asking you a specific question because you yeah, know yeah. a little bit more about them. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a very uh, useful exercise uh, to just learn something about the audience and then come up with a list of things you have in common or what, mm. what, what you have in common. And it, it might be just the two or three things, but it will give you a head start. Uh, it, it will help you to establish this initial connection. Yeah, absolutely. That one indeed, like that common ground that you can build indeed for everyone who is listening, think about that one also. Um, virtual, one last before we wrap this up. The whole world changed. Our conference was virtual. Your presentations, probably most of them are still virtual. Your customers are presenting virtually. Your students at the mock are also consuming that in a virtual fashion. <laughs> like, what are you noticing? What are the differences that people need to be careful with when they're presenting virtually that you would say, wait a minute, that was not the case when we were presenting in front of people, mm -hmm. you know, in a live manner. These are the differences that I need to take in mind so that my presentation still is, you know, effective and communicates my message effectively. What are, let's go, if you, if you have something on top of your mind, like top three or whatever, like some of the biggest differences that people need to be, you know, just a little bit, they need to know about them and readapt maybe 
a little slightly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so um, a few things that um, I discovered during the uh, past year. Uh, thing number one: ask people to turn uh, on the camera. Uh, the, most of them won't, but some of them will. And mm. talking to four people out of 100 is much easier than talking at zero people uh, mm. out of 100. So talking at the full screen of black squares is, uh, well, I kind of got accustomed to it. But initially, it was very disempowering. I didn't yeah. know what is happening. I need somebody to nod in the audience. If somebody you don't nod, I'm gonna like, where I am, I'm lost you. Huh? Um, I become yeah. very nervous. Um, with some people, this is not the case. I, I have a buddy who is a professional TV presenter, and he just doesn't care. He he he's accustomed to working with you know this uh, yeah. with the camera lens, and he's like, "Why on earth do I need anybody?" But I'm not like this. I'm the live audience uh, kind of guy. So if you are like me, if you are transitioning from uh, the real world to the virtual world, ask people to, to it, it, it works. Uh, a lot of them do. Uh, thing number one. Uh, thing number two, get yourself a microphone. It makes a lot of difference. Uh, seriously, the sound quality is important. Uh, a lot of things are recorded now. Uh, so, uh, there, uh, microphones work. Uh, it's it's not all that expensive, and the, the difference in quality is dramatic. Uh, yep. So um, maybe even a camera, but uh, microphone is absolutely uh, crucial. Uh, thing number three: uh, use uh, the chat box. Chat box is immensely helpful. You, if you need to uh, sh- show of hands, uh, there's no way with the uh, most of the people having their cameras turned off. But with the chat box, it's very easy. Just type in one if you agree, type in zero if you disagree, go. And in 30 seconds, you pull the audience, you understand what the vibe is. Um, I, uh, if, if there's a small group, there's a group like 20 people maybe, uh, and I have a lot of time with them. In the beginning, I, I make a round of, uh, Tell me in two words how you feel. It's really quickly. Bam, 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 bam. And I get a certain understanding of the audience. And if there's uh, a lot of people in the audience, I ask them to use the chat box. Type in two words about uh, how you feel. And uh, in the beginning as well as in the end. And Hmm. uh, I, I can see the sometimes the difference. Um, I can see the emotion, I get the feedback, I get the mm, applause, if you will. Uh, you don't get real uh, applause, of course, but uh, those two words are kind of applause. If people say, I'm great, that's applause. Uh, and that's important. I think that I've invested um, emotional energy into this. I need to get some emotional feedback. That are replying back with how they feel, like when you see their reactions, do you end up mm-hmm. using a few more seconds, like 30 seconds more or something to engage with someone that 
that made a very interesting comment? Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. Yep. Sometimes. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nice. By the way, the, the advice for the microphone is, I would say also, like this this needs to be repeated, you know, microphones yeah. make a Absolutely. It took me half a year to figure this out. I, initially, I was like, ah, whatever, like a camera, never mind. Who cares? <laughs> but but then, then one friend of mine got himself the, the whole set and I was like, wow, this is the difference. This is not the same. I was like, what are you using? Yeah. And yeah. he was like, oh, we the small, you know, lavalier microphone. The lavalier? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but there are, there are people, by the way, uh, when we were talking also on about virtual, we recently had a conversation with one of our customers where uh, it was the CEO actually of the company was part of the pod, uh, part of the podcast. No, uh, he was part of the training. Uh, so he was like very hard to be convinced that a mic is needed, you know, mm-hmm. and I was using this mic here that I probably can. Yeah, it's an AKG oh, nice. mic. The cool part mm-hmm. of mics, by the way, they never get old. Right, you invest in a mic once, and it just works. Like technologies, the technologies inside of the mics don't change that often, yeah, which, is, mm-hmm. which is super cool. And so that guy was like, "I don't see why I would invest in a microphone or whatever." And I and I was like, "Okay, let me now show you the difference between you know because that contrast will prove my point very easily." Mm-hmm. And once I once I went from lose the Take a look at this one. So I went from the professional mic to on this camera. There is another camera right on this screen here, which is the Logitech Brio, the 4K camera, mm-hmm. which is 300 euros or something. So you can expect that that camera has some type of a decent mic, you know, like 300 euros for a webcam. But of course, it's super small. So it's a super small. So mm-hmm. I went from the professional to the to the 300 euro camera mic. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, that sounds very, very different. You know, like that is at least five times bad, like mm-hmm. worse. And I was like, relax, let me now switch to my laptop. Right. So I went from the Brio to the laptop mm-hmm. and the mic mm-hmm. of the laptop. And it was obviously for them. I asked him, so how do you feel now? This is the laptop sound. He was mm-hmm. like, okay, that is obvi- at least 10, 10 times as worse. Like it is so worth so much, uh, like it's definitely, definitely it, not the case. Definitely it's unbelievable. Not yeah. 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 It's I, horrible. I, I, you know? mm-hmm. And then you, when you move to the professional mic again, they are like, okay, now I'm, <laughs> I understand. And so, he finished with the fact, because we were talking about the fact that it's compressing the um, zoom and all of those tools are compressing the so-called undertones, which convey the emotions. And he was like, oh, now I understand. Now I understand why my wife, all right, why my wife considers me cold mm-hmm. when I'm speaking with her over Zoom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. You know? yeah. yeah. I was like, you see, that's the reason you need to buy a mic. You're the CEO of a 500 people company. Come on. I mean, seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can afford that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's go. It's, it's not that expensive for 100 euros. You get it. Pretty decent. Yeah. What are you using, by the way? Hmm? Uh, what are you using? Oh, uh, it's an obscure Russian firm. We we got uh, there's, there's a place near Moscow called Tula, uh, and uh, they are famous for building uh, high-end uh, 
microphones. Uh, a lot of uh, people, even in the West, are uh, using microphones built in tools. And they've decided to launch a, um, um, you know, an accessible, <laughs> an accessible microphone, a cheap microphone. And uh, I bought it and uh, somebody gave it to me for a test and I liked it. And uh, yeah. so I just went on. Is the, the, is the USB mic or is the condensed? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a USB mic. Yeah, that's well, it's a condenser USB mic. Yeah, which is even easier. I mean, just plug mm -hmm. into the USB and you're like, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they figured that out. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one last one last before the very last. All right. We always ask who else. We always ask every one of our guests, mm -hmm. who else should we get on this podcast? This is one name. All right. One mm -hmm. <laughs> that you somehow relate to presentations in a great way, be that a business person that presents great and made an impression on you, be that someone from the industry, be whoever, you know, just one name, whoever. Do you have anybody that was not on the podcast yet? That's also uh, tricky. I, I, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know who was uh, on the you. podcast. So try. I, I will be kept an obvious. Um, Gary Reynolds? He was not. He was not. Well, work on getting him. <laughs> he is <laughs> right. the guy. He was my teacher. Uh, if anybody is responsible for me getting into the presentations, that's him. Uh, it's his blog uh, presentations. And I, say, which I started very, very reading back in 2006. Um, uh, it was amazing back then. It was uh, a light of, uh, I don't know, sanity in, in the sea of darkness. Yeah. And his books were incredible. The presentations yeah. and design books. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think, I mean, these books were insane. I would say that he, he influenced me most from everybody in that industry. Indeed, like his books were so well written. And I like to say that his books were so obvious, you know, like what's in there. You cannot, mm -hmm. agree, you cannot disagree with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, it's what, like when you see the thinking? examples. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's. I mean, come on, that's obviously right. <laughs> it's that level of uh, of like the books are incredible. All right, we are going to try uh, to find Gar and connect with him and invite him here. Gar, if you're listening to this one, an email is coming at you very, very soon. All right, so. One last for you, Alex, actually a two-part question here. What is the best place for people to connect, meaning a social media channel? And what is the place where they can find more about your work, the book, everything else? I'm, I'm on Twitter. So I think Twitter is the place. Well, LinkedIn also works, but I, I don't think I write anything there. Twitter is the place. Okay, Twitter. And what about the, the work? Is it the website? Uh, there's a website, captorev.com. Uh, there's not much on it uh, because I'm busy working. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think Twitter is the place. All right. So we're going to, I'm going to just, we're going to link both, but we're going to make an emphasis on the Twitter account. Okay. <laughs> so that, that's what we're going to do. All right. Brilliant. Thanks for joining. I mean, thank you. Thank you so much it, for having me. I, I had a great time. Yeah, 42 minutes already uh, in the recording itself. We had some, obviously, some chat before that, but 42 minutes in the recording already. Thanks for joining. And hopefully people uh, who are listening or watching, they're taking some notes because there were some quite some interesting ideas for the world of business um, that 
people can at least try. You know, I always say that, hey, at least try it, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, it might as well work, yeah. <laughs> it might as well work. So everyone, hope you, hope you enjoyed all of the advices that Alexei gave here. Uh, and we're going to make sure that we link um, his Twitter account and his website. And we're going to put a link to the book, by the way, which is oh, something thank that you. we're forgetting. <laughs> the presentation secrets. I actually got that book like at least... Now it would be funny if I got if I get that wrong, but at least five years ago, oh, is wow. that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Why it's did you publish possible. it? It's, it's an old book. It's it's. Um, I wrote it in 2011, I think. Now it's yeah. okay. So it's possible that I got it five years ago. Good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So everyone, you have the links. Uh, follow Alexey. Take a look at the Dead by PowerPoint slideshow. That one is a must for sure. Easily. And Alexey, thanks again for joining, and thanks again for. Uh, trusting us and not asking questions in regards to who is the audience of this event <laughs> and coming to the present to succeed event for first year. That was so much fun in there. It was, it was absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. All right, everybody. Uh, in the meantime, check uh, again, just check everything that Alexei is doing. Uh, check also our website, 356labs.com and see what we are doing. And of course, if you still don't know uh, about the conference present to succeed, go to presenttosucceed.com, double T, very tricky, double T, and take a look at what's coming up in 2022. We're just starting the preparation, so it will be fun. Again, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy it. Subscribe if you like it. And as we like to say, share it with a friend. All right. Thanks, everybody, and see you in the next one.